Everybody to suck it. I am the great and powerful king of kings, prince of all that is awesome. Derek, how is everybody tonight on this Thursday, October 20th of the horrible year that has been 2020? <sighs> Change things up as you can see. A little bit of a different setup. I'm still trying to tweak it and you know, messing with stuff, getting lights right, and lights are not right right now, but hey, you know, it is what it is. So for those of you watching, for those of you listening, you won't hear or see anything different. So um, I appreciate everyone being here. Thank you again for 800,000 last month and climbing, almost getting ready to break 900. So thank you very, very, very much. It is much appreciated. I'm so glad to be here. I'm so glad that you're here with me. So... Tonight, uh, on a Friday Eve, I have got a musician slash producer on with me tonight, and we're going to have some fun talking the business, because something happened not too long ago that I want to discuss with him and see what his reaction is. Um, I just found out personally myself, so maybe he might not even know about it, but let's see what happens there. But uh, lots of good stuff going on, and you know, the music business is... Uh, struggling right now but i think it's only going to get better from here but you know i guess what we're going to talk about tonight so without any further ado please welcome to the show mr fabrizio grossi hey buddy how are you hey thank you how's it going derek no I'm, I'm doing pretty well how about yourself cool cool just uh taking a break uh in the studio in the other room <laughs> for started at an early early start so you know well, that's, that's always a good thing, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. that's, uh, you know, getting an early start in the, you know, in the studio is always a good thing. <laughs> yeah, you know, the, 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 I guess the urban legend that, you know, musicians have a sleeping pattern of vampires, right? Um, oh, that's not an urban legend. I think that's a hundred percent fact. <laughs> you know what? Uh, myself and majority of my colleagues, they're like, um, you know, we're not even early birds. We're the one that wake up the rooster. <laughs> well maybe we're so late we're sleeping so late that is actually turning early oh well <laughs> sorry yeah. i was eating einstein earlier so i just i'm a little tripping with <laughs> yeah i think that's how i pretty much am as well <laughs> yeah I, I usually don't go to bed until like you know three o'clock in the morning and then get up by noon and start my day at that point nice I wish I could do that. No, no, no more, no more. I, I get most of my work done when everyone's asleep. That's true, though. Actually, I think that's the most productive time. If I can manage to, you know, kind of like get either like a kick or something, you know, just to keep me up, you know, because around ten generally, I'm like, I mean, I'm less, I'm playing, of course, I'm like useless. But if I can 
can kick that 45 minutes, then it's actually great because you almost like your productivity is almost double. Yeah. You know, nobody's calling you. Uh, emails for whatever reason, you know, in Europe is still too early. <laughs> in the U.S. is too late. You know, you got those two, three hours that are, you know, should be, a, you know, that's, that should be your working day. Uh, I definitely agree with you on that, definitely. So for those of you, um, for those that don't know you, um, go ahead and explain uh, who you are and what you do. Who am I? Exactly. <laughs> well, I know, but my, my audience might know. I was just pulling um, and, and analyze that kind of thing, and it didn't, it didn't work. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, well, uh, my name is Fabrizio Grossi. My friends call me Fab. I'm a, a bass player at heart. Uh, my daily job is the one of a producer, uh, not only records, but also video, live events, and whatnot. And uh, uh, also music consultant for music uh, music productions and music manufacturers and it just everything that is related to music. Uh, recently, about five years ago, uh, thanks to the push of a dear friend of mine that you guys already, I mean, you all know, Billy F. Gibbons from ZZ Top, um, kind of like I was reminded how good it is to play and not only to sit down and, you know, do things in studio and just play like a, a week out of the year. And I ended up in studying this band called Supersonic Blues Machine and in four years, just kind of like it just turns all, turned all our lives around. Uh, we went from zero to, you know, I mean, nothing insanely huge, but, you know, we headline festivals all around the world. Um, we're not touring as much as I would like in terms of like smaller place because, uh, the particularity of this band, it's um, like it happened in the record and like the whole philosophy and how the, the project started, we always take some friends with us, you know, and uh, the list of friends varies, depends by their their availability on a daily job, but it goes from Billy Gibbons to Eric Gale, so Joe Louis Walker to Robin Ford, Steve Lukather, uh Lance Lopez. I mean, it's just, uh, there's a lot of different... Um, that came through uh, the door, the supersonic was machine door, um, as I guess. And, and again, we go out and we bring these people, and uh, we have, of course, uh, you know, obviously our material. We just finished to work on the third studio record. Unfortunately, it's not going to be released till almost not a year, but next spring. So we're just trying to come up with something to keep <laughs> to keep ourselves busy yeah. since we lost, you know, basically a whole year of touring, and um, like a lot of other colleagues, unfortunately. So, you know, all that, it, it's great. And um, one thing led to another, you know, I got this bug bag and I started to collaborate with a lot of more friends and musicians that I generally work with during productions in, in studio most of the time. And we ended up in studying side bands here in Los Angeles to the point where they kind of like rekindled the light of my idea to do a solo project. And um, with the, this time with a push of my dear friend, Stephen Perkins, um, Drummer was extraordinary, great guy, all around, all, all around it. Kind of like, I got reunited on this idea of doing this project, this my solo stuff. I've been collecting music throughout all my years of productions, and uh, I always find, give myself an excuse not to be able to continue or to finish it because, I mean, I was starting another project or this was the tour and all that, 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 and that, you know. And this time I, he says, okay, no, I need to finish it. And I ended up in putting, you know, all my things down. And also, actually, I was lucky because there was, uh, I'm with Supersonic, you know, I not only produce the band, but I write most of the music. I mean, we have a 
a couple of you know uh, co-writers and also Chris, you know, our guitar player and singer. Hey, Chris, I mean, he's on the other side of the world because he lives in Devon, UK. Um, and he's pretty awesome with his solo band. They're actually kicking it all over the UK and North Europe. It's Chris Barra's band. Uh, check him out because they're really cool. Um, Chris obviously worked a lot with the lyrics and this new album but um, and some of the music stuff. But this a lot of this material was already uh, ready before he joined us. And um, they had a long selection of music. And uh, where I'm coming from musically, uh, sure, I did a lot of rock stuff. I mean, and I'm a rock guy. Uh, but my, I guess, I don't know, maybe because of some experience in the past life, whatever it is, it's always been uh, black music. Uh, whether it was blues, soul, R&B, jazz, but old, old jazz, Coltrane um, and that kind of stuff, okay? Um, I always had that bug, and I remember when I was a, a little kid that um, the first two records that my mom bought me, I was living in Italy back then, that's where I was born, I'm, I was born in Milan. Uh, we used to have those things, they were like single players, you know, like plastic players, where you stick in the 45, and it will play it, and then you just press eject, and it will spit it out. And obviously you flip it, because the good thing about the 45, you had side A and side B, just like, you know, the regular vinyls. And that was called single because it would carry, you know, the single. So the first two records that I remember she gave me, and I don't know how the hell can I remember that, but I do, was Obladi Oblada and uh, the Rolling Stones Satisfaction. Uh, that kind of like, I guess, open, you know, a curiosity, interest, and, you know, uh, yeah, interest on, uh, I mean, obviously I didn't play, I didn't know anything, and I was a kid. Uh, but I guess some of those sounds were, resonated very well with me, while some of the other stuff, uh, not necessarily. And, um, between that and, you know, my 16th birthday, that's when I decided that I wanted to become, you know, um, a musician. I guess the major music thing that happened, two, actually three things that happened, were um, the um, an Italian TV... Uh, Every Saturday night, there were like there was a t those TV shows that you can find here on Telemundo on the Latin channels. You know, uh, for you guys that are familiar with uh, the Latin community, I'm talking about the Sabato Gigante and that kind of stuff, right? And uh, where you get an international guest, music guest, right? At least back then. And these music guests will not just come up for one song. They ended up in playing, you know, just like kind of like Saturday Night Live kind of vibe. Obviously, not necessarily as a comedy, right? Um, and I remember it. I remember that I was four years old. I, I again, don't ask me, but I remember. It. So think about how of much of a shock that was. James Brown uh, performing, and I never heard of the guy. <laughs> never heard the funk or soul, anything before that. And he comes up, and later, obviously, I found out who was in the lineup. That was, you know, my man Bootsy Collins. <laughs> so that thing shocked me. I remember that I was like. What? 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 Happened? You know? And I, back then we didn't have a VCR or anything like that, so I was just kind of like wanted to know when they were showing that thing again. I will ask my mom and all of it. And I remember that I was like really shocked. So that was the first experience. The second one was when I started junior high. That uh, my classmates from elementary school, they, I was going to a different town for you know family stuff and everything, and they gave me a vinyl of Bob Marley and the Wailers. And that was the live album, the double live uh, Babylon by Buzz. 
that again, I mean, just like a complete and open, really like a real music tour uh, of incredible size. Because again, it was just like a completely different experience. It was not even much the music. Or I want to learn the music. I just, I mean, I like the vibe. I like this. I don't know vibration, whatever it is that you call it that comes out. Uh, it was just, you know, very, very magic. And I had the pleasure to see the only concert of Bob Marley is ever done in in Italy in Milan. And he played in front of 100,000 people. That was just like another world experience. I remember that was like my first big, big show. I was probably 10 years old or something like that. It was insane. So those two things. And the third one was like, uh, I mean, I was getting familiar at that time with some bands. You have to understand that Italy back then was not like Italy now. So, you know, it was not really like a ground for rock. No. So it was like Italian music, uh, Spanish or French music, like... uh, and all of that and then some of these like you will get like uh, things like crazy you get like her twin them fires i am the family stone and then you don't get the basic things you don't get i don't know uh uh ozzy osbourne or black or anything like that no i mean sure of course we know what they were but it was not it was not accessible you know on the daily day so you get this thing and they were like really um particular so the sound i mean i got some of these this music and then all of a sudden you know the band, you know queen started to play and acdc started to come around i mean of course they were already active and some of them were already broken broken up but uh you know i was getting familiar and start to hear those sounds when a friend of mine uh got us together in a room we were like, <laughs> like four or five kids we just started playing guitar okay so you'd be like maybe three weeks uh, so you know what the instrument is. You don't know how to play shit. Uh, it's it, it kind of like you're struggling around a couple of chords. Maybe you already learn how to play smoke on the water. And, <laughs> and so, you know, you're attractive. And it's like you want to know everything about guitar. That was my, you know, how I started. I didn't turn to bass. Actually, they made me turn to bass. Till this guy puts on the turntable Van Halen 1. <laughs> I mean... After running with the devil, everybody was, you know, jaw was like, huh? We were talking about kids, okay? So 10 years old, again, not, I mean, I don't even, electric guitar, I thought, oh, you need to put in, plug it in the wall, kind of, you know, so I don't even know what an amp is or anything, right? So we're hearing this thing, and he said, and when eruption came up, we all thought that that was a keyboard, because there was no way in, I mean, seriously, kids were batting their lunch, you know? (laughs) that's a keyboard that's a guitar you know to try to understand what this thing was so these things are very very fundamental because they really made me love the world of music and then obviously i saw you know a couple of other things that really helped me turn it one being queen with freddie mercury and the other one uh, the lineup uh, the original lineup of white snake uh at castle donington in the uk they did a phenomenal show there were like 140,000 people and when they play Ain't No Love in the Heart of the City, it was just, I don't know. I mean, I still get goosebumps thinking about it now. And I told the guys. And that's why with Supersonic Blues Machine, we did uh, uh, we did the cover of that song on, on our first record. For me, because of this experience, and Lance Lopez, that was uh, our singer-guitar player uh, on, for the first two records, uh, it was originally a guitar player for Bobby Blue Bland, who's the guy that made that song famous. You know, actually, Whitesnake. Uh, edition rendition it, it's a cover it's not the original somebody else many many uh, name uh, bobby blue band wrote the song. so and that's how we all started you know that's a pretty uh pretty interesting story <laughs> i mean because even now today 
I mean, if you think about, you know, internationally known, um, you know, rock bands at all coming out of Italy, I can only think of like one. Really? Yeah, I can only think of ooh, because I would like to know. <laughs> uh, Lacuna Coil. Oh right, of course, of course, yes, yeah, because of you know, I mean, they were the one that kind of like on the heavy side that you know, yeah, came over here. Well, you know, actually, I want to give my old country ju justice. Not that I listened to that stuff, but there was like a time in the nineties between ninety two, ninety three, uh, up to I would say ninety seven, ninety eight. That I don't know if you're familiar with all you know power metal movement. Of course. Actually, Italy was like, you know, what Seattle ended up in being for grunge music. So you had Rhapsody of Fire, you know, and all those bands. They sold actually millions. Uh, and and funny enough, people in Italy that didn't listen to metal, even people in the in, uh, recording industry, some of them didn't even know about the existence of these artists. And yeah. So just to tell you how much people over there care about rock, now it's different. You know, now oh, yeah. I mean, in pretty much all of Europe, and into, you know, the Scandinavian countries and stuff like oh that. I mean, rock is king. I mean, you know, rap and R&B and jazz and stuff like that is popular. But rock and metal are king in, in, in Europe. I mean, it's, it's crazy. I mean, if you, like, look at um, Download Festival in the UK every year. Mm -hmm. You know, 100,000 people show up every year yep. for that. And then the same thing with Rock Am Ring in Germany every year. You know, 100 plus thousand people. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, and you know, and, uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, rock just, you know, is, is big here, but it's just not as big as it is over there. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a sad thing to, to see, you know, that style of music just kind of, you know, it's not falling to the wayside by any means. And there's still a huge movement going on here in the States, but it's not what it should be <laughs> well you know i guess that uh, it was the same thing that uh our parents said you know when what we like as a kid was coming around you know unfortunately it's you know it's i guess it's evolution or involution as some people put it but you know um the thing is to be honest with you regardless of the whole state of the industry in terms of like uh, record sales or anything like that because sales is not even a word that you can use because since no. the music, it's not a commodity no more. It's just actually, it's a, it's a marketing tool for everything else. They, if you can sell whatever else you have to sell. So basically, it's a business card. So there's not really, you know, there's not really price tag or kind of like a, an industry on, on business cards. But the actual um, uh, amount of interest and turnaround, especially on the live front merchandise, um, marketing, because, uh, you know, this companies from you know companies social media companies like uh instagram or facebook that seems very very popular popular for some reason among metal artists uh make they make millions hundreds of millions of dollars of advertisements for bands and artists they're coming actually from the hard rock scene uh the thing is it's not that it, it died it didn't die at all but obviously there is an outgrowth of population and a lot of the people that were born they were young they were exposed to a lot of other things so the number of uh, rock fan it's not that all of a sudden get slashed like the numbers of record sales uh, quite not actually grew unfortunately like everything else uh everything grows i guess i guess exponentially so uh whatever it's popular 
it's not only popular, it becomes overpopular. So that's why you're like overcrowded with everything else. But yeah. I mean, right now we also have this kind of technology where you pre pretty much you can go and look for whatever you want and listen to whatever you want. You don't have to deal with what it's been sent to you or played to you unless you don't want to follow it. You can tell me, sure, well, we had rock radio stations before, yes, but if you remember when MTV came around, actually in the beginning it was pretty cool. For, I, I, we didn't have MTV in Italy, so I started to get, I mean, starting to watch like recordings of MTV was when I was like 16, 17, to some friends. Uh, but after already the, the second half of the 80s, like end of the 80s, early 90s, it was becoming a thing where they were, you know, it was like either like CNN or Fox for politics, meaning like, dude, we have an agenda and we stick into it. So it was starting to get like, uh, you know, sidetrack. And uh, of course, that's what you would watch to watch music videos because there was nothing else. Then it started with VH1, which was a little bit more like on the classic rock end. And then VH1 ended up in becoming pretty much MTV light and MTV started to do uh, reality TV. Shows. So, I mean, yeah. that's what, if you think about it today, between Van, uh, you know, Van, sorry, uh, Vivo, uh, YouTube, and all the social medias and platforms and even stuff that it's not even, you know, listed here in the US, but they're available worldwide, in, you know, especially in Asia, uh, Asia and, you know, the whole South Pacific Rim. I mean, you can find out all the artists that you want. You want to, you can, you, you can be watching videos and find out about all the artists that you like. I mean, nonstop. I mean, you can go on for weeks. That's phenomenal. And then nothing like that has ever been available to us. So I think that, in terms of it, I think it's really cool. And, you know, people that have uh, the passion for following, you know, such a, a genre or phenomenon, you know, they're keeping up, dude. Uh, listen, I know, I, like I said, I was not, I'm not only uh, producing records, but I often get involved with the production of live events and tours. And I ended up in being involved in a production of several festivals that actually covered, you know, metal music. Uh, you don't want to know. Even in the middle of freaking the, the, the beaches of Bulgaria, you know, 120 miles away from the nearest airport, 7,000 people losing their shit, you know, uh, yeah. and after the rain and all of that, just to see, you know, Michael Shanker and, you know, Striper and stuff like that. So... Uh, that thing is still very alive, very much. I oh, think yeah. everything else grew too. So <laughs> yeah, well, and actually, that's what I was. Um, that's what I was going to bring up, and this is actually the news that I was talking about at the beginning of the uh, the show in my little monologue. Was um, just as I was getting ready to come downstairs, um, I was playing on Facebook, um, and I noticed on Facebook an advertisement for a festival for next year. So. Um, it's huge in the rock world, so if, if anyone's ever heard of Aftershock Fest, Aftershock Fest is supposed to be going on next year, October, like four days in October, in Sacramento, California, headlined by Metallica. That was just announced today. Mm -hmm. So Metallica's, um, uh, it's going to be four days, it'll be Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and a Friday and Sunday, Metallica is headlining uh, My Chemical Romance is ha headlining on Saturday, and Limp Biscuit is headlining on Thursday, which is kind of weird. But, but I mean, the the amount of bands and is booked for it is ridiculous. It's 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 got to be seventy five bands. But what got me about it was this is the first concert or festival that I've heard announced. Period for all of twenty twenty one, and I was just like, ooh. Is it going to be coming back next year, or is this just going to be something that could end up being canceled? So, I mean, what do you what are you thinking right now? 
Um, well, I'm in constant touch with our agents here in, in the Americas and in Europe because obviously, you know, you're working with a couple of different people and the scenarios are completely different. Uh, we have, for example, some, you know, um, anchor dates already for some, next summer, some festivals and our, you know, tour, I guess, the other production tour, whatever it is, it should go on in October and November. So far, it seems to be okay, and they kind of like working. So it's not that there is anything uh, insane. I mean, these kind of like negotiations have been going on. Our guitar player, uh, I was saying Chris Barris, actually during the month of September is going to tour throughout the old UK and Northern Europe with Blackstone Cherry. So they already have a sold out tour. Very that nice. Book. So, I mean, they re-announced it. So as per now, those things are on. Um, you need to see what it changes because for example right now what's going on it's something that it's happening something that in england they would not even i mean they 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 never thought it would have happened again they're actually dealing with three weeks of lockdown when up to two months ago two months three months ago my my agent was like oh man cool yeah i already we got you know next june we're doing this 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 and that so they're already thinking in terms of like uh, proactively and positively just moving forward and the problem for them is the serious serious paperwork because every single time there is a cancellation and then a rebooking the amount of paperwork and exchanges is just ridiculous so legal costs they're like stupid so with that in mind uh that's europe but europe got a way better and way longer head start uh on us when it came down to these kind of things and to be honest with you even though right now the situation is pretty effed up um they seem to have their shit together better than us at the moment so if they all stick to what they're supposed to be doing and what they did originally maybe here uh you know they're changing the story of us on us every day and so you don't know really know what to listen i'm not trying to make it a political thing actually i'm, I'm completely pissed off about politics uh, in, you know, in the last six months, I've been talking to a bunch of friends of mine on both sides of the aisle. We're kind of like running up to, you know, to a point where why us have to kind of like go crazy at each other? I mean, is anybody of these people representing us will do that when they are away from the cameras? No, they won't. So, fuck it. So I'm I'm not saying this because I'm want to blame one side or the other. I'm just saying it, it's like we do not know who to listen to it because whether if you're from the right and you just try to understand something about what they're you know that these regulations and all of it, and I'm telling you because you know these are concerns from the agencies and people in the business actually, uh, promoters, uh, venues, and and a bunch of other colleagues in that sense. So let's say you're like a person that politically tends to be on the right, and they tell you a bunch of things uh, coming from I guess uh, left leaning media, and kind of like it gets you puzzled. So you think that it's the opposite of what they're saying, right? Now let's say that you, for example, on a little bit tending left. And you think that everything that is coming from the right uh, media is BS. Uh, guess what? Uh, it's just like you have two, and at some point it becomes like four, five, six different variation of the same narrative, and you do not know what to do. I mean, Los uh, California uh, did pretty good during the first lockdown, and we actually, with some of the agency here, we even had a bunch of shows that we were producing for the end of the year and the beginning of... Um, next year to the point where we're already planning a bunch of events around nam show which is generally around the third week of january and uh so good great perfect everything goes on everything moves on everything moves on and then the whole thing just breaks loose and, and again uh wear the mask no don't wear the mask it's in the air no it's not in the air no but we need to open okay let's open then um 
Santa Barbara and Ventura County, they don't really have any cases. So they, you can go to the beach, you can go to the restaurant, you can dine in, you can dine out and all of that. But in LA County, you can't. But okay, let me, let me tell you something, you geniuses. What do you think is gonna take me, from me to Santa Clarita to drive to Ventura, uh, you know, <laughs> so cross county and go to a restaurant? Let's say I'm coming from Los Angeles. I mean, I live in Santa Clarita, but I'm spending maybe all my days in downtown and maybe I'm picking up the bug over there and I'm taking it there. I mean, are you blocking the streets? Are you blocking the county? Because unfortunately that's what they were doing in Europe. In March uh, and in April, I was talking to uh, some of my relatives in Italy and but also some of my other colleagues in the UK and in Germany and in France, especially. I mean, you cannot leave your little town to go to the next one. I mean, you, may can, you can get around once the cases are clear. You don't need to, you know, there was no like lockdown where you couldn't get out of the house and all of that. But it's not that you can take your car and go across, you know, and go in Los Angeles, San Diego just because. No, you cannot. What the hell are you going to San Diego for? Well, when I go see, you know, <laughs> SeaWorld from the outside, since it goes, no, no, you ain't, you ain't, you ain't going to see SeaWorld. Go back home. Um, unless you do that, you know, it's just open. So my thing is like, uh, I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to mention name, but been talking to I would say three vice pre two vice president and a president of three of the biggest uh, live entertainment agencies in the world. Uh, all their response is, "Oh, we'll talk about it next summer." Let me say, "We'll talk about it," meaning next summer we can talk about it. <laughs> then let's see what. But. Um, their point is in relation to events like the one that you just mentioned. Meaning, for what I know, for what I'm being told, and for the kind of action that I see around um, <clears throat> colleagues of mine and friends that are in, you know, bands like mine, in bands like smaller than mine, and bands like bigger than mine, or in super, super bands, is that unfortunately, those big festivals like Master of Rock type of thing and all of that, those are going to be really the last thing to happen. Uh, you most likely going to have, uh, uh, in terms of like the atten attendance that it's not, you know, uh, to a drive-in or in like in those, uh, you know, in the UK have these like rings, like, uh, you know, boxing ring kind of vibe. I mean, like as big as maybe a little bit bigger than a, a king size bed when you have like a little table, a couple of chairs and stuff. And that's your family. And then you have like your six, seven feet. From the other, I mean, this is for open spaces, right? They did a couple of things like that, and they did it in uh, in Scandinavia. In uh, I think it was in Finland. I, I'm I'm not sure. I don't think it was Sweden. I think it was Finland, and that was the new thing. So uh, I don't think, to be honest with you, that you're gonna be uh, ramming. I mean, just think about it. Metallica, uh, and you know, My Chemical Romance and bands like that that already alone are worth fifty, sixty, seventy thousand people. Uh, in a place, in a close, not close place, but in a close, I mean, open air probably, but like confined space, I don't really think so. Sure, probably you can get bands that, you know, uh, can leave or perform for a thousand people, 800 people, 1500, because there's plenty of venues that can cover up to 2,500, 3,000. So in a venue of 3,000 or like an amphitheater kind of vibe, there is a lot of places, especially if we colleges, in towns that they have colleges, that they have this kind of like amphitheater type of uh, structure, even on the sport end, uh, you might end up in doing something like that, sure. And that's that's pretty much what I'm hearing throughout the industry. But in terms of like having like those big, big ass festivals like Coachella and stuff like that, dude, I don't think we can talk about it till 2022. Because even even if this vaccine comes up, actually, today, the, I, actually an half hour ago, I just got notification 
they just the FDA just approved officially and they're selling it worldwide now remdesivir as a cure for um, COVID-19 meaning it's not an it's not a vaccine but you take it and takes care of it and we all knew that J Japanese they have something similar uh, it's been around for like 14 years they've been using it they were prevented to sell it to us in the states because obviously Fujifilm uh, with Chinese money making that and none of that money would have come to, you know, our state <laughs> coffers for taxes. This is like, no, no, let's come up with our version and, you know, then we'll talk about it. And just pretty much exactly what it is. So this is a great thing. But, and I guess people probably would be more inclined maybe to take a medication if they get sick than not to go out and get a vaccine because we have to consider that too. Who's going to be, I mean, are you going to go get a vaccine as soon as it comes up if like next week? Hell no. Uh, hell no. I'm sorry. Hell no. Yeah, I, I already don't get don't take like a flu vaccine or anything like that. Uh, it's, I'm not saying that I'm opposed to, but I mean, it, it takes some time. In other words, I mean, if you plant a seed today before you get a tree, it's going to take a couple of years. Okay. So if a tree grows overnight, uh, I don't know what kind of juju you put in there, man. But, you know, and, and also to be honest with you, we all know that everything goes around the economics and uh, with all the food manipulations, especially on the genetic end, GMOs and stuff like that, yeah. do you really want to risk, you know, uh, to take the first thing that is being given to you so, you know, these people can basically go back to their business, make a fortune out of these vaccines so they can send kids back to school so they can parents go back to work and start the whole thing again and probably dealing with like fourth, five and fifth uh, wave. So I don't know. I think even with the vaccine, uh, it will take a bit for a vaccine to uh, acquire um, confidence and security and also the distribution of it. One good thing would be if all our government will get their shit together and do like, for example, what they do in South Korea, like instant uh, uh, testing. Um, and it's very interesting how they're dealing with this thing because uh, uh, in Taiwan as well. Because it works actually on a detection of a particular protein of the virus, which is immediate. So how about we invest on that? And we do like one of those tests where you got really the results back in five minutes. You do that before you get on a plane. You do that before you get to a show. You do that before you get to a restaurant, before you get to the gym. You know, you have to, I mean, really, would you be against that? Five minutes that could save your life, but it could let you actually enjoy what you need to do because you know that there is no problem and the people around you don't. Yeah, that's that the reality. Yeah. Unfortunately, plays against somebody else's agenda, you know. And um, and our industry is just really in shambles because of that. I mean, uh, again, I'm hearing from uh, these big guys in the, the agencies, but these are people that you know. Uh-oh. I think I lost him. Beauty of live. Fabrizio. Yeah, I lost him. All right. So, while we're waiting on him to come back, let's see if I can get him to reconnect. I'm going to go ahead and try to sell you something. All right, be right back. 
Guys, have you ever wondered how you can help support the channel and also look fucking cool in the process? Go to the link down below, www.dckproductions.com forward slash shop to get the awesomest merch on the market today. Whether you just want to get one of our plain logos in one of our many different colors, or if you want to get one of our cool graphic tees that just are funny as hell. The choice is yours, but definitely pick up your choice of any one of these shirts in any color, any size, any style that you choose at www.dckproductions.com forward slash shop or click the link in the bio. Thank you guys. All right, so I'm not sure exactly what happened with Fabrizio, but hopefully he'll reconnect. Um, Maybe he lost power. Lost internet service, either way. But anyway, um, I wanted to talk more about Aftershock. Because I wanted to go ahead and give you guys a little bit more in, uh, info. Because it just, it, it, it looks amazing. So, here are, here's the lineup. For next October, the 7th, 8th, 9th, and 10th of October in Discovery Park in Sacramento, California. It's going to be on Friday, Metallica, Rancid, Volbeat, Seether, Live, Skillet, Suicidal Tendency, Avatar, Pop Evil, Butcher Babies, um, and then a bunch of smaller bands. And then Saturday is My Chemical Romance, The Offspring, Machine Gun Kelly, Gojira, some band is returning for a one-time only reunion. Uh, it's just a bunch of question marks. They're not saying who it is. Anthrax. Killswitch Engage. Asking Alexandria. Body Count and Bad Flower. And now, Fabrizio's back and we'll bring him back on. All right. And we'll talk more about this in a second. Hey, man. Uh, dude, I'm sorry. I don't know what happened. <laughs> both, both myself and my, my, my friend, my band partner, uh, Next door, the world famous Kenny Aronoff was doing actually a, a podcast too, and we were both like on the like, what happened? I don't know. Everything went off for a second. It's strange. <laughs> we have a T one line, so I don't get it. But glad to be back though. Yeah, I was just kind of uh, um, going over the some of the bands, you know, announcing the bands that I was talking about earlier. Um, like I said, this thing is just stacked. But like, and like you were saying, um, it, it's. You know, we're not going to be ready for it. I don't think a year from now. I don't think we're going to be ready for it. I mean, and um, and just because um, I know we talked about it momentarily, but it is going to be open air. It's going to be at Discovery Park in Sacramento. I don't know where that is, but um, it's going to be open air. So that's a good thing. But like you said, I mean, you know, seventy, eighty thousand people. You know, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. I mean, and like you said, like we we're just talking about before we got cut off. You know, the vaccine. It, it, no one's. I mean, there's gonna be some people that run out and get it right away. Um, but you know what? Those are the people that are gonna be the guinea pigs, unfortunately. Yeah, they and, got have kids with like you know, you know, an elbow sticking out from the nose and that kind of shit. Yeah. So yeah. I, I'm not gonna fucking touch it with a ten foot pole for at mm-hmm. least a year or two. Um, but still, it, it it's just. You know, I've said this 110 times um, on this show, um, and I've only had 104 episodes, but still. <laughs> um, 
you know, I was at 10 different shows last year. You know, I went and saw Metallica. I went and saw Nothing More. I went and saw Falling in Reverse, Ice Nine Kills. You know, the list goes on and on and on for all the different shows I went to last year. And me, like everybody else, big old goose egg. You know, I mean, and to do, to have that complete 180, especially with something like music, you know, music's such a huge part of our life, you Mm -hmm. know, movies. Yeah. You know, we don't necessarily have to go to a theater to watch a good movie. We can watch a good movie from our our own, come from our own home. You know, technology has gotten to that point where, you know, we can surround sound our house and have, you know, 65, 80, 90 inch TVs and, you know, get that theater experience at home for a lot cheaper. But, Going to a concert is nothing like it in the world. I mean, it is a it is a time for unity. It is a time for, you know, just enjoying, you know, each other's company, you know, being there for the music and the the appreciation for the bands that work their asses off. You know, you know, killing themselves 300 dates a year because they ain't making money off of uh, album sales anymore. But they're out there grinding and grinding and grinding, you know, to do whatever they can. And, you know, for, you know, the artists this year, it's got to be horrible. For the fans, it's been horrible. You know, I mean, it, I, I can't imagine another year of this as far as musically goes, but I can't imagine it coming back next year either. Well, uh, like I said, I mean, I'll, I always wanted to keep it positive. I mean, there's a lot of things that are, I guess, better now than where they were six months ago. I think that, you know, at least doctors and people in general, I'm thinking sane people, okay? Uh, kind of like learn how to deal with it. Uh, not saying that they found the solution, but at least they know how to deal with it. They know what they're dealing with. And that actually helps. Um, I do believe that, uh, like everything, if you manage, if you if you're smart about it, you, you can manage to do things. Of course, I mean it might be uh, it's going to be a gradual thing, uh, and and it's really sad. But the thing for me is that um, uh, I think that probably this is like was a, a, actually a great. Um, and I don't say this in a disrespectful way with, you know, with, with my colleagues or everybody else that works in, in this industry, but kind of like a, um, a, how do you call it, a, a, a great reset for everybody. Meaning, yep. yo, chill the fuck down, man. Because uh, at the end of the day, I don't care if you play in front of 90,000 people or this kid next door is playing in front of 37 people. Tonight, you ain't playing in front of nobody, both of you. Okay, so you're, you know, flying in with the helicopter and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it just, dude, chill. So it gets a lot of people to kind of like all of a sudden think about what they have, (laughs) appreciate it more, and also start to kind of like really uh, um, going back to understand what it was that got them in there in the first place meaning dude you got there because you got so much you had so much passion doing this it was not just the business now it's said that because you have to learn this lesson you know everybody else has to offer suffer unfortunately because there is a lot of people that 
you know, need to play, like you were saying, 200 shows a year, 300 shows a year just to pay rent, you know? So I, I hear, I'm a musician, okay? So, and even though I don't do metal, I mean, the story is the same, you know? You know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Doesn't matter what. Doesn't matter what genre. Yeah, absolutely. exactly. So it's just it's it's that that's a reality for everybody. But unfortunately, the public thinks if you're a professional musician, they think that you're driving a Mercedes, you have a house on the hills, and all that kind of stuff. Dude, no, it's like uh, if you're working in the movies, do you think everybody's getting paid like Brad Pitt? I don't think so. Because otherwise, there would, wouldn't be any business in movies. <laughs> so that's that's the thing, you know. And uh, and the thing that it's really hard. And um, I guess kind of like I got a lot of colleagues to um, snap and re kind of I would say more like a little bit more of a sense of a community among uh, musicians and all of that is the fact that um, just think how sad this thing is. You cannot perform with your band or, you know, live and do your thing. So, obviously, your income is completely shattered. However, if you are the singer or the singer-guitar player in the band, you can, for the first few months of the lockdown or whatever it was, just get on one of these things, play your little show from your living room. Maybe you get tipped or something. Or you start to participate to all these tributes that are happening online. And at least you're keeping busy. Maybe you make a little money. Maybe you come up with something, you sell some merchandise, and okay. Now, what about the bass player in the band or the drummer in the band? Uh, how about the um, light engineer? How about the sound engineer? How about your guitar tech? How about your tour manager? I mean, these guys cannot go on uh, Facebook Live and do a show. What are they going to do? When are they going to show you how to set up a guitar? You know, uh, there's already plenty of tutorial on YouTube to talk about that. So... Uh, the thing is, there's always a lot of cameratism among uh, musicians of a certain level, and I'm really happy about that. I, I embrace that, and thank God that the you know, majority of my colleagues that now are friends helped me from the beginning. There was no weird issue, and there is always this kind of like a, a brotherhood kind of friendship or respect among the musicians. But... Don't get me wrong. Uh, if you are not from the cool band, or if you know whatever it is, there's a lot of other people in our community that don't treat you the same. Yeah. And if that's the treatment that you do not get because you're not that particular guy, or that not you're not that particular guy in the band, or whatever it is, um, it's think if that is just so stupid and applies to musicians. So think what kind of disrespectful kind of attitude you have these kind of people have against uh, operators. You know, again, you know, people that load and unload the truck for the shows that help to set up, you know, uh, packers, you know, like, you know, light uh, crew, uh, sound crew, and all of that. The thing that I saw is just actually more communication among that, uh, among all of us on this, kind of like, uh, now all of a sudden we realized there was not, you know, oh, I'm getting on stage when I have to play and I'm leaving. I mean, a lot of people... A lot of us, you know, know that, you know, oft, I always, I mean, I'm always the first one that gets the soundtrack and the last one to leave the venue at the end of the show, because I need to say thanks to everybody. But uh, because, you know, I like to be part and, and, you know, I did it when I was in Italy. For me, that was the way for me to learn how to speak English was to work at concerts uh, and work with the American crew and the English crews. 
always preferred to work with the American girls because with the English girls, I could not understand one single word. They were all from like East or South London, and it was just like, oh my God, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> no, actually, the Americans were, were easier to understand. And so I know the kind of work that it is, you know, and it's hard. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, I need to hire a lighting guy to come over to my house because I cannot seem to get my lighting right today after I re <laughs> rearranged my studio and moved my camera and got a new camera. I got like a $1,200 Canon camera and I can't get the freaking light. Right. I'm pissed off. <laughs> well, there's plenty of light engineers out there. They're looking for a good. I know. I, I got all the lights. Please just come here and help me redo this because apparently, you know, when I was in my little tiny little corner you know, just doing it in a little sound booth, I was fine. But now that I'm in an open space, I can't figure it out to save my life. <laughs> open, it's safer. Yeah. It is. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna play with it after we're done, and I'm gonna play with it all day tomorrow. It's like, you know, it's like, okay, whatever. <laughs> but you're right. I mean, the, you know, the sound techs, the light guys, the, you know, the roadies. I mean, just everybody. You know. You know, what are they, what's going on with them right now? You know, we're not hearing about them, you know, and how many of those bands are actually still paying them? You know, the, the big money bands, they're not. Well, you no, know, wait, 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 wait. Um, there are some, um, there's some that are, I'm not going to talk about the bad guys, uh, but I'm going to talk about the good guys. Yeah. There are a lot of, uh, bands there, uh, more in my world, which is blues, soul, funk. R&B, Neil, whatever, you know, all that, you know, that means from B.B. King all the way to Gary Clark Jr., Vintage yeah. Trouble and, you know, Marcus King and Eric Gales and all those guys. But, you know, as you know, as a, as a producer, I worked with a lot of rock guys too. So I have my, you know, family over there. And I have to say that there are a lot of great guys like the, the, the Peppers or the Fighters and they're taking care of their crew like this, not tomorrow. Good. It's always been like that. The respect of those guys are for the people that are working with that. That's really a family. That's like a team that work together. Because when you are at that level and you have to deal with that much stuff and everything, you either have your shit together or you're out. Or Because it just takes one person to screw the whole thing up. And, you know, and to, to keep up with those rhythms of work and traveling and all of that it's not only a money thing and they need to treat you right but also on a personal level you need to you know you need to enjoy what you're doing because otherwise it's you know who's gonna like to stay away like nine months or ten months a year from your family and all of that and just coming back and pretty much getting paid like uh somebody that works uh, at 7-eleven and and on top of it being yelled at it uh, no those guys are plotted by and, and and it's not only them there is plenty of us plenty plenty of people that do that they do the right thing and try to do the right thing so it's not all uh you know a bunch of uh, you know vampires bloodsuckers but you know there are a few and there are and that's yeah yeah and that's the thing that sucks like i said i mean because those guys work hard i mean i remember uh back in the i hate saying this but back in the day <laughs> when i used to do uh you know, promotional work for Roadrunner Records, you know, I would go to all the different shows all throughout Florida, you know, hand out flyers, you know, hand out CDs and blah, 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 you know, do the, do the normal promotional stuff for concerts. Um, and I would always go backstage, get my backstage passes and go see, say hi to the, you know, the bands or whatever else. Um, but, you know, I always made sure to, you know, go and thank the, the sound people. Hey, you know, as I was walking backstage, if I saw him, like, hey, you know, thanks, guys. You guys did a great job tonight, whatever. You know, and, and they love hearing that, too. I mean, 
you know, they don't get the recognition they deserve. Um, you know, you, they don't. you know, something uh, that you just brought back to mind. Um, when my last year in Italy, um, I was working, you know, I obviously I was always been, always been a musician. So I was in band and all of that. And actually was really, I was making actually even decent money. I was playing with a lot of, you know, Italian artists and all of that. Not much rock anyways, but, and I was also working concerts as a stage manager because at that point I could kind of deal properly with, you know, English speaking uh, crews. Um, Aerosmith playing, we were, I was a crew in charge, one of the stage manager at the Monster of Rock. Uh, and that year, Whitesnake and Aerosmith and a bunch of other bands played. Uh, I remember that there was, a, the, uh, Aerosmith had like four green rooms. And uh, one was the largest of all, you know, uh, I guess that we thought that that's where they do, you know, meeting with the press and all of that. And it had every possible thing in it. Cold cuts, fruit, beers. Alcohol. I mean, it was like like a club restaurant, whatever it is, right? So we're bringing um, uh, a couple of cases in it, roll a couple of cases into the room and everything. And um, that was like a little before the show. And inside there was like old plates, like uh, t-shirts, merchandise, and everything. I think we made a mistake. This is looks like merch, you know. Take it out. And here comes Steven Tyler with Joe Perry and a couple of other guys that I do not know who they were because I guess they were tour manager, whatever it is. We we're just you know workers there. Um, and it says thank you so much, guys, to put together the whole thing so quick uh, and fantastic. You know, we just really, really appreciate what you guys did. We were the local crew, not even their crew. Um, all this, all the shirts and all the, the the records and all of that. That's for you uh, to keep, and the room is for you. So after you're done, guys, just you know, have a party on us. Oh, that's awesome! How cool is that? I mean, how cool is that? They just dropped probably like five or six thousand dollars on the local crew to give them sure a good time because. Thank you. I mean, that was like one of those things where, like, when you have twelve bands and twelve bands at those level back then, you know, with like ninety thousand people, something. The production is massive, and there is a turnaround of people that is insane. Everybody's losing their mind, and and you got people acting like that. You know, it's fantastic. You know, that's awesome. That man, <laughs> that I, I've heard nothing but good things about Steven Tyler and you know the rest of the guys at Aerosmith. So. You know, to, to be honest with you, that story, while is amazing and badass, it doesn't surprise me because I just heard nothing but good things about those guys. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, again, it, it, you know, regardless of that, you know, that kind of stuff, you know, one of my favorite bands, and I'm not going to call them out because, um, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, they're one of my, my absolute favorite bands. Um, cause I never know who's watching, <laughs> so, you know, or who's listening tomorrow, you know, with 800,000 downloads a month, you know, you never know who's always listening. But anyway, um, they came out and put out a, uh, press release a week or two ago talking about how, you know, they're, they're working hard in the studio and they're doing, you know, they're re they're writing some music and they're doing this and they're doing that, but they're not going to release it until they're able to tour because the music that they make needs a tour to go along with it in order for it to to have the type of power that that it needs to have now while i get that now you know whether or not you know oh we're not going to release until because you know the singer's sick or you know somebody broke their leg or we can't tour because of you know this but when you know the, the fans are at home and it's been three years since they've released an album and the last album wasn't even that great to begin with 
And it's like, guys, we're, you know, you're one of the biggest bands in the world. Give us something. Give us a new single. Give us something. But no, we're, we're not going to be able to do this. We're not going to be able to give you anything until we know that we can go out and tour. And that sucks as a fan. Well, listen, I don't know the artist that you're talking about, but there is also reality that uh, to to that we have to face that it's part of the actual music business nowadays. Yeah, that um, a record, like we we're saying before, was one of the part of the um, income streams of an artist, of a recording artist, or, or a musician. It was, you know, albums, sales, uh, publishing live shows, a merchandise, right? Those were the four pillars. Well, now all of a sudden, you know, the sales uh -uh, and the publishing got majorly cut because sure, uh, you have more options to license music for internet programs, uh, movies, um, commercials and all of that, sure. Uh, it's not a guaranteed stream of it. And there is so much competition that even people that were used to do it before, now they're coming up with all possible ideas with libraries and all of that where pretty much the the person that needs to do advertisement or the agency make the most of the profit and the the artists work pretty much for for a bulk fee so that's kind of crazy you have to consider that the record is the only tool that you have um to uh before you would tour to sell records now you release a record to tour uh, and this is a reality that's been going on for the last seven, eight years, and it got worse and worse and worse to a point where uh, the fact that you have a record uh, means that a journalist and, and the media machines or whatever it is will talk about it. You know, obviously you have a publicist, they put in together like, you know, what we're doing now and, you know, all, all over the world, obviously reviews from newspapers or from websites and all that kind of stuff. Uh, they do that because there is a record and so there is something that it's there uh, documented that people can listen to it they can talk about it you have a conversation and you advertise what's going on and then obviously you advertise your tour it comes around people create interest they wanted to see the new songs oh how the artists developed i get it i know that as a fan could be frustrating but the problem is if I really do, you understand how much it cost me to, to do a record? Uh, I mean, it's not a qu the question of what it cost me because most of those bands already have their own studio, so I mean, those things are already paid for. But the amount of time that you have to put in, I mean, I have a studio myself, and it's you know, the record that I'm doing for myself or my band or for my other clients, I mean, it requires time. So even if I don't have to pay anybody personally, me investing 120, 140 hours a week. What means that 140 hours a week that I'm not busy, you know, doing something that, you know, would feed me, you know. So uh, we have to they have to understand that creating a record, it's uh, something that it's a, a big work. Even if you put it together quickly itself, it's a big work because you have to write it, you have to prepare it, then you're going to create it. And if I release something now and I'm not going to be able to tour for the next two years, by the time it's going to be the next tour, I will have to have another record ready. But you know what happened with the record that I just released it? The people probably listened to it for a month and that's it because they're waiting for the next one. It's going to be do the same thing too. And it's just going to be left in the forgotten world of Spotify. You know, um, unfortunately, 
the fact that you're playing live, you're supporting those songs, you're supporting the music, it kind of like recreates excitement in the fan. And even though, again, as a fan, I I would prefer to have, uh, you know, to hear from the people that I like whenever, you know, whenever. I'm also a colleague of most of these people <laughs> and I'm having to deal with the same reality. So it's sad, but you know what it is too, if people wouldn't be so uh, competent in um, these things where pretty much, you know, it's a given now the music is for free. In other words, if we go back to pay for records, to pay for music and everything, and will allow the musician of having been able to make a, a living selling records, then I don't think they will have a problem in making a record even once a year. Otherwise, it's just an additional cost to what they already have to deal with. Yeah, I mean, and I was, you know, in the business for a while, and I, I've made a few records. I know I know the cost, and I know the time and effort, and it goes, you know, it goes into it. I mean, you know, I get that. You know, and, and you know, especially now doing what I'm doing, you know, professionally, you know, this is my only job, you know, is this – Cause I'm waiting for stand-up comedy to start coming back around again so I can start getting back out in, in clubs. But, you know, until then, you know, even then, this will still be my my full-time job. But still, you know, I, I've talked to, you know, countless musicians on this show, and I've got even more coming up in the coming weeks and some big ones in the pipeline, huge acts in the pipelines. You know, it it's, you know, there's... Regardless of that, I, I get what you're saying. I 100% agree with you because it's still a business at the end of the day. If you feel, you know, as no, a fan. Let me, let, sorry to interrupt you. I mean, you know it. I mean, you work with a record company, you artist yourself, you know it. Yeah. It's, but it's not a business. It's a business for everybody else around you. If you're the artist, that's your livelihood. That's Correct. Yes. Is. Yes. Yes, and that's what and, that, and that's where I was kind of going with it. But like you just said, being that it is their livelihood, if you know during this entire time, the only thing that we heard from, like the only thing that I heard from my favorite band, was, "Hey, we're not giving you anything until we're ready to tour again." When that does happen in a year or two from now, you know, am I gonna say, you know what, you guys abandon us? <laughs> you know, I'm just saying from a from a fan's point of view. I'm not saying that's how I view. I'm not saying that's not how I view it because because they're my all time favorite band. I'm gonna forgive them and forget when it comes out. But at the same time, there might not be fans that actually do that. You know, they might be like, you know what, you've been gone for two three years and didn't give us anything when we were sitting at home locked in a house um, because you guys couldn't tour. Well, I get that. I still wanted at least one song here and there, but you you had to give us a full album. You guys could have given us something that was previously unreleased, that was just recorded, you know, ten years ago, or re-released an album with maybe yeah, a few little bonus yeah. tracks. There's, yeah. there's, and there, yeah. but they're to be to completely ignore the fans like that, in my opinion, is mm -hmm. wrong. You know what I'm saying? That's where I was kind of going with mm -hmm. that. Well, actually, if you put it that way, you know, in regards even like uh, beat takes and whatever, yeah, that's actually that's a great idea. Hey, guys, bands out there, listen to what Derek said. Actually, it's pretty smart, man. You know, you can keep uh, the art, you know, fans happy, and you don't break your bank. And actually, you put some of the music that you put it aside without probably that you know that it's never going to see the light of the day. Anyways, put it out there. You're gonna make somebody happy, man. That's actually the cool thing. Yeah, I mean, because there's actually you know. 
um, two of my other favorite bands, and I'll mention them by name because they're doing good things, um, a band called Nothing More and a band called Ice Nine Kills. You know, what, what I love about those two bands is, you know, in the last 10 years, Nothing More has put out two albums. And they toured for like six years on one album. And they, and they kept doing, you know, um, an additional release here, an additional release there. Oh, we're going to go ahead and re-release this. This is only acoustic, and we're going to do this, we're going to do that. But we're going to constantly be touring, constantly be touring, 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 touring. And we still got a bunch of new stuff in the process, but still only based off that one album. And now they're doing it again, you know, with this last album that came out three years ago. And they're just now starting to go back into the studio, you know, in the coming months. Um, to put together their next album, and I thought it was fantastic. With the Ice Nine Kills, you know, they released their album two years ago, and they released an extended cut earlier this year, and now they're releasing that same album on a live cut um, in eight days, which I cannot re- wait for. Um, but, you know, they're at least giving us something. I mean, they didn't have to... They had a, um, a concert that they recorded last year, and they just put it on an album. They said, you know what, let's give the fans something. You know, we already have it recorded. Might as well just go ahead and do it. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. Because again, you know, just you got to stay in your in, in this day and age. Like you said, to be lost in Spotify world. Because you you got to stay with the a, new age of new me- media, the way social media is, and the way bands are coming out. You know, bands can literally just have a you know a thousand dollar computer, and you know one guy can put together an entire album in his basement nowadays. You know, and and. You know, with all that stuff that's coming out, even some of the bigger bands are going to get lost in the shuffle because, you know, so many people are coming out with this, you know, stuff all the time. So, you know what I'm saying? It's just there's so much going on. I think, you know, they don't need to cater to the fans. Absolutely not, because that's not what it's about. But they need to take care of the fans. So that makes any sense. No, yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, again, it's a it's a touchy thing because uh, it doesn't matter which way you see it, <laughs> there is a, there is a pro and a con side, you know. Absolutely, uh, yeah. It, it's a tough one because I understand. I mean, as a musician, you know, I'm doing a record. Uh, it, it's your baby, regardless who you are. It's your baby, so you wanted people to pay attention to it, regardless of the economical end. You want people to listen to it, you yeah. know, and because that's you know. It's not to get, uh, you know, to get approval, but to see people reaction, you know, it's just like, that's what you do. I mean, it's like, I'm a painter, I'm painting. I mean, I'm not going to exposing the wall. I mean, I'm not going to put the paint in the closet where nobody can see it. You know, obviously I want it, I want to have it out, you know, so I get it, you know, and that's the problem that, that you're dealing to. It's just like, I'm doing something. I wanted to, you know, uh, people to pay attention and just have the chance to, to enjoy it. But then also, uh, and like everything, you know, that gives you a lot of good things and a lot of bad things. Now everybody can do a record, you know, and just put it out there worldwide, you know. And it doesn't really matter if you're good or if you're not. If you actually know how to use uh, communication media uh, and a few things about technology, you might end up in having more success. I mean, likes and numbers and all of that, whatever success or whatever thing that means, uh, then the band that the pays tens of thousands of dollars worth in marketing uh, because they really do a great job with the record, they all that, and then they need a machine to move it around. While you, like you were saying, you buy your $1,000 computer and you do like your $200 recording, and I'm sorry, but I'm coming from the idea. I mean, everybody can do whatever they want. I have, you know, it's a free yeah. country, so please. However, just because you can make a record, it doesn't mean you should. Mean you should. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. 
the problem is uh, we were talking with a bunch of friends of mine um, musicians that I'm sure you're familiar to. And one of them, actually, I can mention the name because a friend of mine is an awesome dude, uh, and, uh, and and we indeed had this conversation. Scott Page, who was a famous saxophone player. I had him on the show, yeah. And, and he played, you know, Super Trump with Toto, but is most famous for being Pink Floyd saxophone player. Well, we were talking about, actually, Pink Floyd saying, you know, when people say today, oh, you know, uh, there's no more Pink Floyd. They don't make Pink Floyds no more. They don't make uh, bands like that no more. No, you know what? That's not true. Uh, the difference is back then, there were you needed to be really, really, really good because uh, you couldn't cheat. I mean, if you have to do a record like that, you need to know how to play it. You need to write songs. It was like a big investment. So before people will throw half a million dollars, because that's probably what it taken to record a full record, uh, you know, in those studios that were like insanely expensive. Uh, they want to make sure that you were the real deal. So they will come to see you play live. They will see the reaction of people. They would, you know, let's try to record a couple of songs. Uh, let's see the reaction on the songs until we have everything. So there was some work that went into it. Now, you know, everybody can just get up from the bed and, uh, you know, creating these things where they're doing records and they're putting it out. That doesn't mean that there is not people that put as much passion, craft, and work into their music like Pink Floyd used to do back then. Oh, the absolutely. problem is when Pink Floyd released the record out of EMI, it was just Pink Floyd for two months. I mean, sure, there was a bunch of other things, but there was not uh, nothing else. Now, if Pink Floyd would release a record today, there's going to be another 45 motherfuckers they record, they're releasing the same on the same day. So, uh, and that's Pink Floyd. So if you are a band that is equally as good as Pink Floyd, but you are not Pink Floyd and people don't know you, well, good luck in getting noticed. And there, so people don't really are not really exposed to this potentially awesome band because, you know, everything evolves. Even musicians, you don't have to be necessarily 60 years old to be a great musician now. I mean, it, like those guys that are 60 years old now, they were phenomenal of freaking 20. That's why they made it till 60, yeah. being the greatest of the great. So I'm sure that there are 20 years old of it uh, out there and even younger than kick ass. You know, but they cannot get a shot because who's who's going to listen to them? You know, we have like really 40 releases a day. Who has the time to go through everything? I know I don't. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I mean, you're you're 100% right uh, across the board. 100% right. You know, the only thing I can hope for, you know, as a fan and, you know, someone who is on, you know, on the media side of the business you know, that, you know, everything finds a new normal, you know, because we there's no, there's not going to be the old normal. The old normal is gone. Um, so now we got to find a new normal. And at the end of the day, you know, artists, crewmen, you know, fans, venue owners, um, you know. Oh, and by the way, aside from all of that, um, I want to go ahead and just um, do one quick shout out because I read about this today and I thought it was fucking amazing. Hats off to Miley Cyrus for what she did for Whiskey A Go Go. Um, that uh, that concert that she put on uh, uh, was it last night or two nights ago or whatever it was? Mm -hmm. uh, charity concert for Whiskey A Go Go. 
hats off to her for doing that because that was really, really badass what she did. So I needed to point that out real quick. Um, not a Miley Sanders fan, but damn it, that was awesome. I am. I think she's brilliant. I'm sorry. Yeah. People are getting pissed. Uh, my daughter, I mean, you have to understand that my daughter was like, you know, grew up with Anna Montana. Me too. Uh, yeah, my daughter too. Obviously working where we work and my wife doing all the, you know, the movies and all her Disney stuff. We're close to that world. Uh, I wasn't necessarily impressed musically, uh, but, you know, it was a good positive vibe. And I saw her growing as an artist and sure, it goes crazy. And people complain about shit being, you know, crazy enough several occasions. Dude, the people that we listened to growing up, I mean, do we need to make comparisons? Oh, no. <laughs> okay, so who the hell are we to judge that? You oh know? no, I, I don't. I like her. You I don't like her music, guy. but I, I love her. The her the person. Yes, I'm, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not a big pop person. Yeah, she, she always has a double. Uh, uh, she always had a double side because you know she's got pop side, and even her pop stuff, it's done so well, and she performs it so well because she's such a hell of a singer. Yeah, I don't have a problem with that. The thing though that not many people know is actually Billy Ray Cyrus, her father, is a great classic rock fanatic even more than country music i mean yeah. his favorite country music guy is johnny cash so yeah. you already know where we're going it's just like exactly no light stuff it's not like yeehaw thing it's just yeah. johnny man in black man so only yeah. two other guys were only another guy was called man in black that was richie Blackman. so okay let's let's take it with yeah. so and we play that music in, around the house so she grew up on acdc on that flapper that's happening on Aerosmith and all that stuff. So what do you think her raspy or thing and not just phrasings is coming from, you know? So, yeah. It's... Well, I mean, cause she, during that, that concert for um, the charity concert for whiskey, a go, go, she uh, did a cover of cranberries uh, zombie. Mm -hmm. And I watched that. And let me tell you what, um, you know, Dolores O'Riordan, the, the the lead singer for Cranberries, who passed away a couple years back, mm -hmm. I swear to God, was in heaven, you know, embodying Miley and, you know, like clapping. Because let me tell you what, it was so beautiful. It was probably one of the be most beautiful covers of that song I have ever heard in my life. And I was uber impressed with her. She, like, like I said... Musically, she is phenomenal. I'm not a pop music person, so I, I can't, you know, I'm not going to say I love her music because I don't, but I, I love her as a musician. She's a fantastic musician, oh, yeah. fantastic singer, and a fantastic person. She's got a bad rap in the, in the you know, in the limelight, but she's a fantastic person from everything I know about. But aside from all that, what she did with the, uh, you know, that charity concert for that was fantastic. Um and the you know that dedication to Dolores and doing the cranberry zombie, freaking beautiful, um, freaking beautiful. But no, I just had to point that out because again, you know, it, it just goes to show you again that you know the craft is threatened. You know, because there are there are tons of you know these little venues or the bigger venues or the small but yet worldwide known venues that are at risk of shutting down permanently mm -hmm. and you know the the new normal needs to find a way to again save those you know because again they're they're just as important you know it doesn't matter if it's a little sound stage underneath the um 
underneath the parking garage, like, you know, there's a, it's called, a, uh, literally called Baltimore Soundstage um, in Baltimore, uh, you know, about an hour away from where I live. Um, it's a little, you know, small as hell, but underneath a, you know, a parking garage, but it's one of the badass, you know, you know, uh, sound stages and, uh, you know, concert venues in Baltimore, but still, you know, it's like those little things like that, you know, they need to survive because again, they're the ones that gave the, the rancids of the world and the, you know, the pink Floyds of the world, their start in the, back in the day. And, um, without them, you know, you know, the, the, it's going to be, it's going to slow, it's going to slowly fade away, um, until somebody else decides to make a change. So, you know, again, I just hope that with, regardless of it all, we find a new normal and everybody at the end of the day gets back to doing what they love. And that's either playing music or listening to music. Yeah, let's hope so. I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I'm really like aching on that sense. Like I said, uh, we just finished, you know, Super Sonic Bruce Machine new record, but you know, now that we have the record, we will have to wait what nine months before we release it. And I don't think the label is wants to release anything till probably January. That's not us. So we're probably invent, gonna invent something, but you know, I'm just you know, wanted to do go out, play and meet people. I like to talk and you know, and you know, get to know people, you know, not only fans, but also everybody that works around you know, the shows and all of that. And that's why also I ended up in doing you know my solo project it's funny enough that this year in 2020 i was going to be really busy on both ends and this happened so when these kind of things are you know like this i sure i mean i can do some studio work and all of that but kind of like it's again it's like you're preparing something that you're not gonna it's like you you're finishing a paint a painting that you know you're not gonna be able to show yeah so uh, you know uh, i I'm, I'm, again, we're not going back to the. It's just again nothing to do with politics itself. You know, uh, yeah. I'm not going either or. I do believe though that this uh, um, the pandemic. I'm not uh, under um, appreciating meaning. No, under uh, underestimating. I'm sorry. Uh, the, the pandemic. Uh, I have friends uh, that had family dying. I know people that got it and almost did. So this is serious. It's not jokes. Uh, affects people in a different way and also people too that you know went through without even knowing it okay so you know it, it works in a different way but i think unfortunately for what's going on right now in the country even all that is so politicized that it just kind of like really it's confusing and it doesn't even give us the opportunity to start thinking start start making some plans uh i really hope that as soon as the elections are over and we know what's going on either or one way or the other I think that a lot of smoke, a lot of smoke is going to clear. Yeah. Um, and I, I really hope that people will understand that you know whether you believe in this thing or not, because it's not. I mean, it's it's matter of actually uh, showing respect to other people. If you go into a place where somebody's sick, kind of like you don't go. You know, uh, same thing. If you're sick, you don't go to a place where, like, the elder... I mean, this is, like, normal. It's just freaking normal thinking. You know, I have a friend of mine that runs a cleaning uh, facility. They do big state contracts. Uh, they have... Uh, uh, they're in Texas. So, 
they work with you know oil companies and stuff like that, offices and even you know some big clubs. And my friend was telling me, uh, I'm just so glad that actually this thing happened. I mean, not for the the actual pandemic itself, but just because people are starting because of this, they're forced to act the way that they should be acting regardless. Because you have no idea on how uh, careless and dirty and unconsiderate a lot of people are, especially in public places. So um, if we kind of like just think that way, not in terms of like, oh, I believe what my president tells me to do this, or my president tells me not to do this, or but the other guys, just leave that alone. Just use your common sense. You know, do I know if it works? No. Do I know if it doesn't work? No. What does it cost for me, for example, to if I'm close to somebody that I don't know, I'm close, you know, going to the supermarket, put your mask on, your hands, just be distance. That's it. You do that, they let you go into the supermarket. Nobody's telling you anything, <laughs> nobody's kicking you out. So, you know, if we start showing that kind of like a consideration for other people and show that we can, even with limited movement, uh, we can function, I don't think it's going to be a problem for people to let us do more. You know, and we say let us do, meaning us pretending to do something, because at that point we will have numbers on our hands to show that, hey, we did everything that we need to do. And it shows that if we do it, we're cool. So you know what? We learn our lesson. We can start to do a little bit more. Just be smart about it. You know, I don't think it's good to, you know, shut everything down because it's it's just pointless. You know, Uh, I understand. Sure. In, in the beginning, you don't know what it is, and I understand that you have to go in, you know, big guns. But we're a lot of months in, and um, and again, I know it's very partisan for us to talk about these things. And then again, I'm, again, I'm not trying to all the news channels are talking about these things, and you know, I don't want to turn it, you know, like a music conversation into this. But unfortunately, this is something that pretty much killed our business okay. and our life. Uh, and it's not again. I'm saying the word business is not because I'm one of the you know. Oh, just the money, money. It's not that. But when I'm saying a livelihood means people being able to pay their rent or uh, turn on their light. I'm not talking about, you know, buy an Austin Martin or a villa in Malibu or shit like that. I'm talking about the basics. Because if you work for, you know, the New York school district or, you know, Baltimore sanitation, you're getting a paycheck at the end of the month. You have your health care, you have your things and everything gets taken care of. And if something happens... Uh, you still have your work. I mean, if you get sick, whatever, sure, we're not in the best place in the universe to deal with that, but you still have something. Us, if we don't play, nobody's going to come around and look if, you know, if we're doing okay or not. And same thing of all the people that are working with us. Again, you know, packer, movers, drivers, stage manager, road manager, uh, techs. It's just a big community. I mean, and, and again, we're just talking about music now. I mean, I'm, I live in Los Angeles. My daughter is, you know, only sings with us and everything, and she's a singer, but she's also an actress. That's a whole different thing. Do you understand how many people in Southern California work in the movies and film and TV industry yep. that are home? They just started to do some stuff now, but it's very, very limited, and, and it's very taxing because people might have to live away from home to be able to work what they normally would do, you know? So, because obviously everybody gets tested every day, try to keep everybody in a facility and it's, it's really challenging, but, but at least, you know what? The movie industry, I guess, makes so much money, so much, way more money than the music industry that I think 
at some point they were able to better lobby <laughs> against all this and we're able to kind of like hey we're going to spend this money to keep people safe but you need to let us do what we need to do and to be honest with you everything seems to be working i mean for my family my family and my friends that are working into in uh, hollywood i guess if we can call it like that sure not like before at least now but at least there are some things change and it kind of like it looks promising and people are getting kind of like the hang in dealing with what are look like impositions and you know it's part of life now so you know that i think is the only way that will help us to you know to move forward with that yeah i i 100 agree with you um and you know the movie and, and tv industry you know just look at disney alone you know i mean this year i mean they're still raking it in. I mean, with, you know, Hulu subscribers, I think Hulu um, is at like 50 or no, like 90 million subscribers of Hulu. And then another 80 or 90 million of Disney Plus. Disney's just sitting back going, you know, they're, and they're not putting anything out new except for like the new Milan movie and maybe a few things that were done before the pandemic. But, you know, um, you know, they're just so they're the ones that are, you know, really kind of pushing exactly what you were just saying to really kind of make that impact and make that difference. Um, you know, we need to get, you know, but again, aside from all of that, you know, again, as somebody who's a fan and loves the entertainment industry, you know, so much that I've built this, um, you know, I'm just, you know, for the last, what is it, seven months? We've, I've had conversations about, you know, so what, what do you got going on? Nothing. <laughs> you know, what, what, what are you planning for, for next year? Uh, we're planning by ear. No, I want to have, you know, I want to have some good conversations. And, you know, and these are good conversations, don't get me wrong. But I, I would love to be able to say, okay, hey, you've got a concert next week. You know, you ready for this? You know, I would love to be able to have that. Or, hey, right, so right. you got a new movie coming out. You know, what's the, you know how's the things going? How was the production? Blah, blah, blah. You know, I would be able, love to be able to have those conversations. But until then, you know, mm -hmm. I'm I'm really really enjoying, you know, talking to the, the same people that I'm going to be hopefully talking to again next year, you know. Um, but I'm enjoying having just real life conversations, you know, about the business itself and not about one specific project and you know these overall conversations. Therefore, we can really kind of get to know each other, let people in the in the back door a little bit, and kind of show them behind the curtain and uh, you know kind of these really good raw and honest conversations about stuff that we really don't know much about because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or the next day or the next day. We're hoping for the best and we're being optimistic as fuck, but it's hard to be, you know, all the time. There's going to be some pessimism in there. Um, but at the same time, I just have this huge amount of hope for all of it. You know, comedy, which is my business, um, you know, music, you know, TV, you know, movies, you know, you know, I, I changed my, yeah, I mean, it's just so much, you know, I, I've been waiting for Marvel because as you can see, you know, it's my Spider-Man feet over here because I haven't, I need to readjust my camera, but, um, you know, my, I'm waiting for my Marvel movies. That's not going to be until 2021. The May of 2021 is the next Marvel movie. It's like, oh, it's gonna be like two full years before we've had a movie. You know, it's like, damn. Um, but, you know, again, I just, I just want to find that new sense of normal for all, everyone. Therefore we can just get back to enjoying what we love, whether again, regardless of what that is.
Mm-hmm. Well, um, like on, on my end, like I was telling you earlier, I'm like really now really pushing my, uh, I, all this give me the opportunities to, to work on my solo stuff. So like I never been before, I'm learning, you know, to make videos. Uh, so I'm kind of having a ball with that. And if, I mean, I produce plenty of video clips and, and concerts for DVDs and all of that, but it's the first time that I'm doing things as a cameraman and uh, editor to, I mean, director, camera, and, and so which kind of, kind of sometimes is weird when you have to kind of like you're part of the, the <laughs> you're, you're filming yourself and all of that. But, you know, it's actually something that, uh, at least for me, uh, I'm just trying to find, you know, that's probably because of my religious belief. I'm a Buddhist and I'm always trying to find like a lesson in everything. Not trying to find, I mean, it's there. You just have to. Of course. Yeah. See it. Uh, this kind of like actually lockdown, uh, at least for me, obviously, it's really bad for a lot of things. But in one way, it forced me to deal with a bunch of things that I always put on the back burner. And um, I'm really happy about it because I never, I mean, if it wasn't for what had happened, I probably would have never finished what I finished. And uh, I would have never picked up really considering and, you know, singing around my stuff. I mean, I'm not a singer. I, I, I always look, do things when we write songs. And obviously I do background vocals, you know, with bands and all of that, but never even consider that. And that was just, everything came out as a joke. And uh, you had the time to put it in and just to, to learn a few things. I'm really, really happy about that and all the other music. And the good thing is like we're trying, we're 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 under trial, you know, for a lot of things. As a you know, us for you know economically, uh, professionally, artistically, so personally, because an artist everything is connected, you know, and you have all these emotions and depressions and aphorism and all of that. So you're dealing with that, and then the uncertainty of life itself, what's going on politically in all in the states around the world, in Nigeria and, you know, and Vietnam and, uh, not Vietnam, I'm sorry, um, uh, uh, where's Bangkok? Thailand. Thailand, okay. See what's going on in Thailand. Okay, I'm getting confused with all these places. I mean, everywhere, I mean, nowhere around the world is just a major arrest. So all these things are happening and, you know, you're in a position where, like, uh, then it's just you know at least let me try to do something you know positive that will help me uh move forward because i mean if we only look at the bad things you know it's just overwhelming but there's a lot of good things out there too so like i said i'm really happy of the opportunity that i was given to to use this time to you know reconnect with a bunch of different people to spend some times you know even with friends uh uh you know, the good thing was my with my first band, Supersonic, my my main band, Supersonic Blues Machine. Uh, Kenny, myself, and um, of course, my you know uh, my my ladies uh, and my wife, my daughter, and uh, you know our you know musical director, keyboard player, some of the crews are from Los Angeles. But then we have uh, Chris, uh, our lead singer and guitar player, is from Devon in the UK. Our we have uh, our second guitar player. Uh, and my co-writer, Serge, that is in Belgrade, in Serbia. Uh, we have part of the crew out of Italy and some other people out of other places in Europe. So it's like, and you know, some of them are living in Spain. So it's like a worldwide band in that sense. Where it was just so pleasant, even just to get on Zoom, not to talk about all oh, the show, the tour, the schedule and all of that, but say, hey man, what's going on? What did you do Sunday? Oh my God, the kid is growing up. Jesus Christ, I haven't seen you in six months. What happened to the... So it's just kind of like really you know, family time, you know, uh, basically Thanksgiving dinner without the crazy uncle and without the dinner. 
yeah i i yeah i can see that that's yeah that's a that's a good point um that's funny um fabrizio man you are awesome and i have enjoyed this conversation We've been talking for an hour and a half, man. Well, yeah, actually, and I, and I, and I need to run because I have two more mixes to finish for today. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. But I wanted to, if you allow me, I, I really would like to do a little. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, because actually, uh, it's not only for me. I mean, I'm doing this obviously. It's my work and all of that. But um, there is a good side. Not a good side. There is another side to my solo project. It's called Fabrizio Grassi, like myself, and Soul Garage Experience. You can call it Soul Garage Experience by itself. Don't get offended because uh, he's a band of musicians. It's, uh, it's a rotation. There's a lot of great friends. Stephen Perkins, Derek Day, uh, Diamond Makes, Alex Alessandroni, um, and other people rotating uh, to, to create this thing and to help me out uh, in, in this project. And I um, really uh, would like for you guys to check it out because it's uh, uh, beside the message itself, it helps everything that happens with, uh, you know, with the music of it uh, is going to benefit uh, to benefit Guitar for Vets, which is an awesome organization. And then I'm an ambassador for it. Uh, uh, Guitar for Vets provide music lessons, uh, guitar, but now also bass and other instruments, lessons and therapy to veterans uh, affected the post-traumatic stress disorder. And the results are so fantastic. Uh, and it's just so effective that now these uh, therapy sessions, these guitar lessons are given at DA's facility. Uh, if anyone knows the damage and how challenging is not only for the persons afflicted by post-traumatic stress disorder, but for his, her loved ones, uh, families, uh, it's just, you know, it, it, it's not easy and it, it's traumatic. And a lot of people ended up in losing it completely and, you know, becoming homeless and kind of like at losing completely their life after everything that they went through. So these kind of uh, therapy really, really, really works. And we're making people aware and, you know, it's like a growing movement. We're getting support from everybody and, you know, we're really happy with it. And the other one, it's uh, um, the Upward Bound House, uh, which is uh, part of my own charity. It's called Always at Home. I have this um, uh, subject topic of uh, homelessness in the United States, especially in my city here in Los Angeles, that it's... Uh, uh, a terrible uh, it's just terrible what's going on and again um, I'm not trying to politicize this a lot of people are accusing the city the mayor and you know and the Californians and liberals and all the kind of stuff and you know and the liberals are accusing somebody but that's not the point the point is that unfortunately like in every society when there is a lot of business and everything is run by money and justification uh, with education it's low and you know there are differences and in this case they're you know uh, drug abuse and you know and even vets that unfortunately are uh, getting down that path you kind of like having to deal with the reality that it, it's not only uh, give the twenty dollars to the homeless person you need to do something that it's permanent that uh, allow these people to wanting to go back because sure there is the crazy crackhead sure there's the hope but then again, 85% of our homeless are people that did not ask for it, okay? This being the richest country in the world and having people living like that is just really, to me, I'm just not only unfair, it's unjust, it's brutal. And, um, and I'm really happy to be embracing this uh, 
I would say this cause because I have a bunch of friends from both sides of the aisle that are really supporting it. And um, Upward uh, Boundhouse is a, uh, a nonprofit organization here in Los Angeles that helps family that lost uh, their job and their, their, you know, their apartments, their homes. And uh, they they help them. They put them up in places. They received a bunch of grant. They won a grant, uh, bunch of grant last year. They ended up in buying two hotel structure in Santa Monica and turning them into temporary um, accommodations for homeless family until they getting resituated. So I like to get involved with that. Obviously, you know there is in what we're doing and we're trying to do musically. There is part of for us too because obviously we're spending money doing everything that we're doing, but. You know, helping us to, you know, being able to go out, play music and all of that uh, means also helping the causes of these guys. So that's something that I really invite you guys to do. And again, the name of the project is Fabrizio Grossi and Sound Garage and, and Soul Garage Experience. That's the name also of our YouTube channel. And please go visit it. I mean, there's only one video right now, but we're going to have a lot of other videos coming soon. We just started. All this is just brand new, launched from scratch this past Friday. So uh, Fabrizio Garcia and Soul Garage Experience on YouTube, uh, subscribe to the channel. That's also the name of our Facebook uh, fan page. Uh, but you can also follow me on Instagram, Soul Garage Fab, uh, and um, on Twitter, Soul Garage Fab. This first single is called Right Down Below, and it talks exactly about what I was just talking, uh, you know, the, the challenging of living in the big cities. Uh, basically, you know, it's kind of like almost like a... Uh, uh, the continuation of the story that Stevie Wonder started with Living for the City, it's kind of like 40 years later, unfortunately, we're singing the same song. You know, it's really sad. Uh, uh, so, you know, let's see what we can do. Like, if we have each other's back, you know, we should be able to get out of this, you know, these kind of problems. So, you know, guys, once again, uh, Fabrizio Grassi, Soul Garage Experience, first single right down below in all, you know, Spotify, Deezer, uh, Apple Music, iTunes, uh, YouTube, and and whatnot. <laughs> uh, Fabrizio, thank you very much, man. I appreciate you. Uh, you're an awesome individual, and I I have truly and truly and truly enjoyed this conversation, man. So you take care, and I can't wait to hear the new music, man. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thank you guys for checking this out. And uh, well, you know what? I guess let's let's have, let's make an appointment in a year from now, like you were saying, that you're going to be talking to the same people that you're talking now. And let me tell you, if they're musicians. They're going to be complaining about something else. <laughs> as, my, as my dear friend, uh, Steve Lukather, uh, who's actually was yesterday was his birthday, 62 birthday. So again, happy birthday, uh, Steve, is to say, you know, you know, how you got a musician to complain. No, get him a gig. <laughs> <laughs> or just have him open his mouth. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. And on that note, bye, everybody. I right, have a good night, man. Thank you very much. I appreciate you. Ciao. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, guys. Woo! That was a fun conversation. All right. Well, that is Thursday. Come back again tomorrow, 8 p.m. East, 5 p.m. West, for returning guest um, in Madeline Kay of the band Juliana. I had her on what, back in August uh, with her guitarist, um, John Stewart, but she's coming on tomorrow. Um solo for a little bit of a intimate um conversation just to get her to know her a little bit better and uh have an overall great conversation with um a great person um and then next week whew, um is all music monday tuesday thursday and friday however wednesday we've got a 
a, a very very famous scream a very famous scream queen i can't even talk on wednesday in sadie cats um she'll be on on wednesday and then on top of that we just got a bunch of, you know thursday we've got the runner up to last year's um the voice in australia uh daniel shaw will be on the show on next thursday but um monday is karma kids um I, there, there's just so much going on next week. I'll announce it all on Instagram here in the next couple of days. But um, come back again tomorrow, like I said, for Madeline K. Um, she's fantastic. And hopefully I'll have my camera and lighting situation figured out because, you know, new camera, new lighting. It happens. Whatever. Um, this was a testing situation. I don't like it. <laughs> so we're going to you know, screw some things around and see what happens. But again, tomorrow, 8 p.m. East, 5 p.m. West, Madeline K. Until then, I love you guys. Thank you very much. Stay safe, stay happy, stay healthy. And as always, stay fucking heavy. Peace. Peace.